Welcome to Lithium Ion Rocks, part two of our interview with Javier Martinez of Morgan Stanley. We'd like to remind all our listeners, if you like this content and would like to contribute to it and uh, future content uh, voluntarily through the Patreon platform, please visit www.patreon and input Lithium Ion Rocks. It's fairly easy to uh, through PayPal... Uh, your credit card to register for any one of the tiers. Higher tiers get uh, special privileges. You can uh, look at them, direct access to Rodney and me, uh, and also uh, our supply demand model and, and other information. Do you feel that uh, you know European OEMs and, and, and the like would not see some value in having diversity of supply chains? So not relying overly heavily on just China. I think that uh, what I think is that there is a big fight there globally about uh, different value chains, including uh, this one and, and, and uh, which uh, countries, US, Europe, Korea, Japan, China, is going to be uh, taking a market share going forward. No? And, and this is a fight not for the next year, this is for the next decade. No? So, and that's in, but, but that's for also important for lithium because at the end of the day, that means that what matters is not only economics. There are other things. No, it's not only about the economics of lithium. It's lithium inside of a value chain and the economics of that value chain and the, and the, and the different reasons that different countries may have to support or not in that value chain. No? And lithium just uh, gets inside of that uh, fight. No? So at the end of the day, whatever happens, and, 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 and I guess can be only another guess, uh, is that uh, there are other reasons for, to, other incentives to control and to produce uh, lithium other than economics. So it's not only about the economics, it's also about different uh, countries, and you are seeing that, it's relatively simple to see that big companies from some of those countries are making big investment to, to, to have a say on the big producers globally, no? regardless of economics. If they are looking for not only to make a business, also to make a business probably, but also to, to have access to, to raw material. No? Not only lithium, but you see that on copper, you see that on, on different minerals. No? That's part of a... But that, in reality, that's more, even more bearish lithium. No? So that means that there are people that are looking at this not only based on economics, but also based on, 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 on have access to a raw material. No? Do you think that um, what uh, carbon emissions are for cars, do you think within time they're going to move up the EMI and battery supply chain, look at the impact on, and carbon footprint of supplies right the way along the chain? I think that that's where the world is moving. <clears throat> so the world is moving for, for different reasons into uh, giving incentives to, to green energy, to more sustainable sources of energy, et cetera, et cetera. And that's one of the reasons why, why, why lithium is, is, is so interesting, no? because it's, it's part of that technology and it's part of the solution. No? Now, how fast or how slow will depend on a number of moving parts. And that, that from the origin, that was also one of the different, uh, one of the reasons why Morgan Sally has a, has a different view on demand. No? And, and one of the reasons is that our auto team models cycles. So it's not only about penetration of electric vehicles, it's also about cycles of auto uh, demand globally, no, and, and and that demand has to do with GDP. And now we are seeing one, a good example, no. So now global GDP is slowing down, and that has an impact on the global demand of autos, but also has an impact on the incentives, no. So when when you have 
in different economical and political situations, you have different incentives. And, and, but basing the future of an industry on incentives uh, and, and modeling, assuming that whatever incentives you have today are going to be there forever or that you are always going to have incentives, is a mistake, no? uh, in, in our opinion. And that was another mistake from, from, from part of the market that was assuming that the, 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 the subsidies in China were going to be there forever, and et cetera, et cetera. No? I think that is, it's good to understand that that's where we are moving and, that's, uh, and, that, and to model that, but being careful and not assuming uh, that... Uh, so the economics of the business have to be there without incentive. Otherwise... Um, uh, everything becomes a little bit risky, you know, depending on, on political incentives that at the end of the day depend on, uh, on, on the budget of the governments and, and politics and et cetera, et cetera, it's complex. Now, particularly, uh, you ask about Europe, um, it's, it's been a noisy thing, you know, when you see the press, I was reading this morning, the press in, in, in several countries in Europe, and, and they were, they were uh, the press was mentioning how the different parliaments are changing the wording of some of those rules that are being discussed, no? So it's, it's a, it's, I don't know, I don't know. I think that that's, the, that's where we're going. We're going into more support to green, sustainable energies, but how fast? I, I, I will assume that everything happens slower than the market thinks. That, that, that has always been also another reason why we were forecasting less demand, because, because, uh, because it's not only about what makes sense, it's also about uh, people don't like to pay for that. So it's about... The evolution of technology that allows to move in that direction without having an impact on the pocket of the consumer, um, um, and these kind of things. No, and A, B, also um, at the end of the day, yes, everybody wants to have. I want to have an electric vehicle, but listen, I I want to go to the beach in the weekend, and I don't want to get stuck in the middle of nowhere because I cannot recharge my. And that's uh, and that's also something important because when, when people doing estimates, they tend to live in New York or in London, and listen, and uh, I, I look at Brazil; it's a big country, so we may have here uh, the 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 the. the, the infrastructure to recharge vehicles in Sao Paulo, but what happens when I go outside from Sao Paulo? So it's going to take some time. Everything takes always takes longer than everybody thinks at a, until we reach a point where everything goes faster, no? And that's a, a different uh, also, we, that's one of the reasons why we estimate 700,000, slightly below 700,000 and not 1 million ton, uh, in 2025. But again, not to get lost in the trees. We think that is irrelevant. What matters is not that. If you keep focusing on demand in a range, in, inside of a range, you are looking at the wrong side. You have to look at supply. If, if the demand goes completely out of the chart, and we are talking about more than 1 million tons in 2025, then yes, it matters. But below, in, in, in that range of 700, 1, 1 million, that is, again, the small moving parts of politics here and there may influence to be a little bit higher or lower. Um, uh, we, we continue to think that we continue to be the low end of the consensus and we continue to believe in our estimates. We think that everybody else is a little bit optimistic in those moving parts, but it's not that relevant. The biggest question or the, the most contentious thing is, is this supply. Like that's 300,000 incremental tons of supply in a six-year time frame that if you're wrong about SQM's ability to ramp up four times in six years, which I think is relatively unprecedented, and there is a, a, a technical and an environmental consideration, you know, in connection with that. If you're wrong about their ability to do that, right, then there's going to be a, a shortage, you know, um, and a price spike. So, so the, I think that the, the Howard, I think that the right approach here is, is the following. So try to put yourselves in the trousers of the decision makers. So imagine uh, uh, Howard 
now becomes the Minister of Mining in Chile. So there is the decision makers on regulation and how we create an environment for the for the companies to deploy capital and to to create wealth for the country, etc., etc. And then uh, Rodney is the uh, now is going to be wearing the the trousers of the CEO of uh, SQM. Okay, so now you you both you know that you have uh, this, the following equation. Both both of you, eh? you know that, and then we can if you want we can discuss about these uh, moving parts. But let's assume that those are right and, and, and those are our starting points. First of all, you have illimited resources, both of you. So Ch uh, Chile has enough resources, and SQM particularly has enough resources to supply the global demand forever. That's, we can discuss about that. Imagine, but imagine, give it for granted. So you have illimited resources. You are low cost and you are low capex. So now I move the question to your side. What will you do? And then I have to assume that people are rational. Obviously, you may say, no, but people are not rational, and then this or that. But listen, it will be really good for Chile, and it will be really good for SQM. If I will be there, if I will be the decision maker for Chile, the best thing for the country, and if I will be the decision maker for SQM, the best thing for the, for the company, for the shareholders, will be to increase supply, to re regain leadership, to, to, to reduce prices, to gain market share. That's the way I see it. And now, it may happen or not, obviously. We may have distortions and we may have a number of moving parts, but those are, that's the way we think about this. What if the uh, environmental minister or the water minister or the indigenous people um, were, were part of that uh, decision-making process? Uh, does that influence? Because uh, you're talking largely economics. So again, uh, we may be wrong because it's difficult to map this, and, and the and the and the and the way water behaves in the salars is quite complex. Okay, but our understanding is that the bottleneck is not at the mining side; it's on the industrial side, and um, and that's an important part of the equation. Okay, so if there's no environmental consideration whatsoever, it's just a function of SQMs being able to build a plant. Uh, for carbonate, um, and then build plants for hydroxide, um, battery-grade quality um, hydroxide. It, you're, you're basically assuming they're able to, th they'll get there, you know, on the industrial side and on the hydroxide qualification side, and, uh, and therefore within six years, um, it, 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 there's no difference. There's little difference between they're manufacturing battery-grade hydroxide and, um, you know, a producer of soybeans or ethanol, um, you know, or, or, or aluminum uh, in your prior comparisons. I think that, so that, that summarized with only one exception. So you said that there is no, so environmental uh, is not a, it's a fact. It is a factor. It is a factor, and SQM has a, is obsessed about uh, following the rules and to comply with the rules and even above that. So the and environmental rules are relevant and uh, environmental um, uh, compliance is very relevant, not only for them, obviously also for Albe Marle, um, and, and it's very important in, in Chile. No? Chile is a serious country. Now, what I'm saying is that it's not that it's not relevant. What I'm saying is that there is a room to comply with uh, those rules and to be uh, protective of the environment and to be able to deliver that supply. So, and that is helped by technology. And there are 
There are a number of complexities over there, but uh, we understand, or we believe that uh, it's not the main problem. You have to you have to find ways with technology to make it happen, uh, being protective not only of the economics but also of the environment, and that's what they are doing, and that's what the reason probably why things take a little bit longer, and that's they may create some uh, distortions in the short term, but in the long term, Chile and the Indians and the and the communities will be better if Chile uh, is able to produce more lithium and capture that opportunity in the window of opportunity where lithium is going to be a relevant mineral. Um, is, uh, we think, we believe that they should be able to do that, being uh, very careful with the environment and to taking care of everybody that is a win-win for everybody, not only for for one part of the equation. Uh, we see how this can be a win for Chile, a win for SQM, a win for the Chileans, a win for the local communities. Is uh, That's the way we see it. No? Talked about an arbitrage um, uh, in various markets. What I observe is Ganfeng, you know, last quarter, or the last two quarters, um, and China generally, but led by Ganfeng, have been exporting battery-grade material at higher prices, taking advantage of the higher price in Korea and Japan. So, so Ganfeng has, has doubled their sales, you know, outside of China. In the same quarter, uh, SQM, which traditionally was selling to Korea, uh, you know, and, and Japan more, uh, sold onto you know Ganfeng's turf in um, in China. Uh, I view this as a quality differential, right? SQM not yet making sufficient battery grade hydroxide for those markets. Um, and again, I said it before, I, I think to some degree kind of punishing, you know, the lower quality, you know, higher cost producers in China. What, what, what do you what do you make of that? Again, it's a commodity and you have people trying to gain market share and people uh, trying to to go to those products and markets where they are competitive today. And then people investing to be competitive in what is going to be hot next uh, year or in five years from now. No? So those are. So that's part of uh, doing business in commodities. So you have uh, now Argentina and Brazil exporting more soybean to China because of the trade situation with the U.S. That used to be the traditional export or main exporter. So that's and then tomorrow the situation will improve and then they will have to. So at the end of the day, it's not about the demand or supply in this or that market, this or that grade, this or that product. It's about the global. This is a global product. Commodities, what commodity have is about global. So if you focus on what is happening in this commodity, between this and that market, this and that player, you, f- you lose the, f- the, the full picture. That may, again, that may be driven by puntual situation, gaining market share, competitive advantage, FX, whatever. What matters is the global supply demand inventories, not, not who sells to whom. What you are seeing now is, in, in fact, is a confirmation of our thesis, is that SQM is doing an investment <clears throat> to gain market share. And, and if you want to gain market share, 
where do you have to be in China? And what kind of products are they selling? I guess that the products they, they are producing today and the products that they have a market today and the products and now what that's not what, what is relevant. What is relevant is what is going to be happening in the future. And again, our thesis is that with prices below $10,000, that increased the competitive advantage of, of Chilean producers and they are going to be using that competitive advantage to do what I will do, is to gain market share making better earnings. So they're going to do better earnings because they're going to be selling at slightly lower prices with uh, selling more volumes. And then the equation of prices and volumes uh, at a given point start to be positive for, for EBDA, for cash flow generation, for the for the country, for the shareholders, for et cetera, et cetera. Now, tomorrow, today, again, you, you can have small distortions of that. That is, Those are trees in a forest. What matters is the forest. You, you mentioned aluminum and history there. So in, in hard rock, you know, uh, uh, lithium, there has been some comparison, you know, of the, I guess, the um, the bauxite to alumina to, you know, aluminum and then kind of specialty alloys, um, et cetera. Uh, what I view that as... Uh, a, a more realistic comparison than just comparing something to to soybeans, you know, or ethanol, as, as you describe it. I don't know those markets so well, but but uh, aluminum I know a little bit about, and iron ore I know a little bit about. But uh, um, you, you were mentioning aluminum and how that market's <coughs> evolved, and, and, and that's viewed yeah. as a commodity as well, right? You know, that those prices are yeah. not uh, performing well. So so what and China overbuilt, you know, aluminum, um, you know, I remember, you know, years ago. So just uh, what from aluminum uh, do you see as parallel to lithium? So we, we, so here we are entering into uncharted territories. Why? Because we're talking about technology, no? And technology that is not there today is uh, about the future of technology, no? In fact, you were in Santiago, no? We we met there in the in the listening conference, and and there were a, a few panels, really interesting panels. Uh, people claiming that they already have the solution for this or that kind of producers to be lower cost, no? So there are already people claiming. I don't know if it is true or not, but so they, probably there are already people who have some solutions to to impact the cost curve. But so but what the logic is. It's a conceptual logic, no? For any commodity that is a specialty, and lithium was a specialty. So what does it mean, a specialty? It's a small thing, and it starts to become something bigger, and uh, then there are incentives, there are more incentives to invest to improve the technology, no? When, when it's a small thing that you have only two, three players that they are making a lot of money because no, and nobody's looking at that, then you have different dynamics. And, and then eventually uh, that commodity, whatever it is, start to become bigger. And bigger means bigger volumes. And when you have bigger volumes, you have bigger amount of dollars. And when you have bigger amount of dollars, there are bigger incentives for people in the value chain to try to, to, to make a business out of uh, that. No? And that's what has happened with every single commodity that is, has become relevant. No? Um, and that's why technology tends to move that. And happens with every single one. If you take a look, this, this is something I learned um, 15 years ago, that was a surprising finding for me, um, and it's important to keep in mind. When, when you look at almost every single commodity in, in, in real terms, prices go down through cycles. So prices go up and down, but in real terms, they go down. Why is that? Because the cost of production goes down uh, with time. And why is that? Because of technology. In, in, uh, now, each, each commodity has different dynamics. In the case, for instance, of, of grains, it's relatively simple. You see that uh, what drives demand 
and what drives supply, and again, what matters is supply. What matters supply is area, how much area is planted globally, and yields. And yields are driven, so how much you produce per square mile or square meter or hectare or whatever. And yields are driven by weather and technology. And the use of technology for almost every single agricultural product globally, particularly the big ones, is increasing uh, half a point every year, between half a point to one point. So the productivity of one hectare globally is increasing almost 1% in every grains just because of technology. And that has been the case going in the past, and that will probably be the case going forward. And why, why is happening that? Because it's so massive, the market is so big that you have a lot of companies with incentive to invest, to develop that technology and to make out of a business out of selling that technology to the, to the, to the, to the producers. Well, that, that was probably a small business when lithium total market was uh, 100,000 tons. Um, that, that's an important market if lithium volumes go to 700,000 and eventually to 1 million tons and eventually to 2 million tons. No? So there are people already investing and uh, gradually there will be more people investing in that. And, and, and in fact, as prices go down, the capex of the companies should move from expanding fast into producing at a lower cost. So you're going to see more money on the table because the market is becoming bigger and because the players have an incentive to invest more money in those, pro, those providers of technology to reduce costs. No? That's coming. It's, it's going to happen. Now, how fast, how far that can go, who knows? It, it may not be, pro, obviously. Aluminium may be some extreme situation, but that happens in every single commodity. So it's, it's going to happen.